Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson himself. Pete, how are you doing on this fine day? Oh, I'm all right. <laughs> I'm just shifting around in my uh, in my big gaming chair. I've got a gaming chair, Chris. Is that wow. is that a terrible thing to admit at my advanced uh, years? Yeah. <laughs> Why have you got a gaming chair? I mean, you're turning into all these YouTube gamers. <sighs> Twitch streamers. <laughs> well, the difference is I bought mine. Um, oh. It was very expensive, but it's very comfortable. Um, I actually bought a gaming chair, realized that my old desk wouldn't accommodate it. That's how small the desk was. Uh, so I had to actually upgrade my desk. Um, so very much the, 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 the tail wagging the dog in this chair-based snafu. <laughs> it's expensive. How much is a gaming chair? It was, it was, you know, best part of 150 quid, to be honest. Oh, and, and, you know, I, I, I don't usually... <laughs> all right, mate, with YouTube money bags. <laughs> well, I thought... Um... It may have been a little bit more expensive than that. It may have been a little bit more expensive uh-huh. than that. I, it just seems a little bit of an indulge, indulgence when, you know, in reality. What am I exactly... Why do I need that indulgence, really? My bum doesn't deserve it, quite frankly. No, it doesn't. But what I've seen is uh, YouTube is kind of promoting... You know how YouTubers have merchandise? Like me, with the Abroad mm. Japan merchandise, available now on Teespring. A lot of other YouTubers... Great Christmas have, present. ...have, <laughs> have like, really big, crazy things. Like, um, they've been, they have been selling, like, chairs, haven't they, for video gamers, and they're, mm. like, over a £1,000, some of the ones that I've been seeing. Um, so I was assuming you'd splashed out big on one of those, but... Uh, Apparently not. No. 150 quid. It's a, it's, it's a cheap man's chair. It's a secret lab. It's secret lab seems to be the um, seems to be the uh, choice of of the of your usual gamer. So I'm, I'm very much entry level, but I'm, I'm getting there. I'm drinking coffee from a cafetiere. I'm going up in the world, Chris. That's all I'm saying. I'm going up in the world. And meanwhile, I'm going down in the world. While you're sitting in your lavish, reasonably priced chair, I'm sitting in my freezing apartment where the insulation is so bad that I'm literally <laughs> sitting at the desk wearing gloves with pocket warmers in my pockets, slowly but surely roasting my legs from within, right? These pocket warmers, I don't know if you've ever heard of these, but um, Mm. we don't really have them that much in the UK, or they're not that popular. But in Japan, sometimes you get like free things, right? You get like free tissues often handed out by people at stores. Mm. And uh, I went to a restaurant the other day and they handed out two pocket warmers. And you basically just take them out of the wrapping, crunch them a little bit, and they go up to about 70 degrees 
Celsius in your pocket. Uh, and it, it sounds nice, but it's actually burning my leg right now, both of them. Um, <laughs> that's how desperate <laughs> I am. It can get rather on. hot. Well, if you, if you remember when we were in Sapporo, um, I actually dipped into a 7-Eleven and bought not only a snood, not only a pair of gloves, but also uh, these little um, these little hand warmers. And yeah, they're, they're quite violent when they get going. Yeah, they're violent, but necessary. Necessary. Mm. It's pretty depressing. Is it starting to turn a little bit, the, the, the weather up there? It is, but it's just that the insulation, right? Well, a lot of people don't know, but mm. um, Japanese homes and apartments are typically not very well insulated. Uh, I'm not really sure why that is. Maybe... Something to do with the wood, the fact they're all built out of wood. I don't know, but insulation's poor in Japan. So uh, in winter, your apartment does get very cold. So you've got to put the heater on. And where I do this podcast, in the comfort of my cupboard, uh, I don't really have any heating in this room. So I'm forced to use hand warmers and gloves. Isn't that depressing? Oh, Chris, Isn't that, that is a little bit depressing. You've never spoken about it before. I can't believe you've put yourself through such hardship. And I've, I'm, 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 this is the first I'm hearing of it. <laughs> It is ridiculous. Uh, what a lot of people probably think, oh, he's a YouTuber. He's got almost 2 million subscribers. He's probably sitting on a yacht, drinking champagne. No, I'm in a cupboard with hand warmers and gloves on. That is the level. That is what I do. Um, but uh, it has been a good week. Other than that, it's been a good week. We had the next episode from Journey Across Japan uh, come out, an episode filled with pyramids and capsule hotels. Did you have a chance to watch it this week at all? I did, yes. I've had a very busy week, but I just had a little, a little skim through before we started today. And, uh, yeah, um, incredible. What I like about Japan is like every town has some weird shit going on. And <laughs> it turns out there's just a pyramid in the middle of nowhere. And, 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 um, I very much enjoyed the weird sort of capsule hotel you, you stayed in. It was not only a capsule hotel, but it was like, um, I would say it was like a, like a, a one room dormitory mm. that, you know, fitted everyone in. It's a really nice idea. I like it. They should do a lot more of that. Yeah, maybe not uh, on a packing crate. It was yeah, it was in the shipping container. About three shipping containers stuck together, and then they just sort of mm. built the interior. But it was really nice. Um, we got this challenge on day four of the trip to find some sort of wacky, weird accommodation, and we came up with two. We had a love hotel with a cage in it, um, but I was put off love hotels because the first episode, of course, we went in the abandoned love hotel. That put me off love mm. hotels for good. Uh, and then we found this this um, capsule hotel in a shipping container. It came with ten capsules, um, which was awesome. And this this kind of place, it was um, at the base of Mount Fuji, which we'd hoped to see, but the weather was really bad because of a typhoon. But um, there, there's lots of great accommodation in that area around the Lake Kawaguchi uh, region. And uh, I guess this, this place was aimed at tourists coming in big groups of people, right? Um, so we got the whole thing. I felt a little bit greedy, just Joey and I, uh, with this entire place. Although we did have the cameraman and Ian. Um, a lot of people were like, where's the cameraman sleeping? Um, he was there as well. We didn't make him sleep in the car. He came in too. Oh. He enjoyed the capsule. Um, but it was nice. It was the nicest capsule hotel experience I think I've ever had uh, on account of the fact there were no other guests around. And as for the pyramid... Well, that was just really weird. Like, as you said, there is a lot mm. of weird stuff in the countryside. You turn a corner, bang, pyramid. Um, we were driving down a road uh, on the way, just on the way to Mount Fuji, and uh, we saw this gigantic stone pyramid uh, over the trees. And we're like, what the hell is that? Pulled over, and um, it turns out it's like the biggest pyramid in Japan that you've never heard of. It's a stone museum. And they rebuilt like a, the, the pyramid, one of the pyramids of Giza uh, and a bit of Rome. Uh, they've thrown a bit of Rome in there. And it was really quite impressive. The, the pyramid looked great. 
Uh, and the inside of it, they actually built this sort of tomb, this maze mm. uh, that we got stuck in for 25 minutes. And that wasn't a joke right in the video. I'm getting quite exasperated because we're sort of stuck in this tomb. But I was genuinely like, we've got to drive 300 kilometers. How do we get out of this goddamn tomb? And I didn't know where we were going. Uh, and Joey was stuck in it. So, yeah, weird day. Weird day on Journey Across Japan. Yeah, You'd very have loved strange it. day. You'd have loved the pyramid. <laughs> I would have loved it, yeah. I'm getting more and more upset that I can't go anywhere at the moment. We're, just, we're in the middle of, um, well, we're kind of heading out of lockdown um, as we approach Christmas. Mm. Uh, the Prime Minister has informed us that we're allowed to um, mix in certain family groups o- over the Christmas period. Um, I imagine we'll be back in lockdown in January. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, on the subject of... Uh, COVID in Japan, it is up, numbers are up recently. Uh, I think they had record levels mm. a few days ago. Um, and I don't know if we talked 300 about... 300 in Tokyo? Like you say record levels, it's like 300 in Tokyo. I was like, oh, it, no. I mean, it was, I think it was 500, which, you know, isn't a lot mm. when there's 40 million people no. in the Tokyo metropolitan area. But uh, still, it's not good. Um, one of the reasons I think it happened is the Japanese government launched this go-to travel campaign, um, slightly mm. awkwardly branded campaign but the idea was uh the government would actually pay subsidies for people traveling to hotels and uh yorkans and things which we took advantage i didn't really know much about it but we took advantage of it on journey across japan certainly like uh i think when we stayed in the um the traditional in with the log in the last mm. episode of journey across japan we got like a 30 percent discount and they gave you loads they give you loads of vouchers as well which you can go and spend you've got to spend mm. it in like the next day or two um but it's meant that there's been loads of people traveling around the country and uh, Sendai recently, all the hotels have been rammed because people are coming up here for the weekend, going shopping, doing a little bit of traveling. But on the downside, it has spread the virus around a little bit. So it's that yeah. sort of difficult situation. Do we keep the economy going or do we suppress the virus? But uh, yeah, but they've actually stopped doing it now in certain places, I think, like uh, Osaka and uh, uh, Sapporo, the last time I looked. So it might be the end of it, sadly. But a good idea. Suga is uh, Suga is just sort of quietly pushing it back under the carpet because obviously I presume he didn't invent it because I, I know he's an administrator, but presumably the the last um, the last administration uh, effectively started that. So obviously he's the man to kibosh it. I think he had a big quietly. I, I think he had a big part in it, to be honest. Um, oh, right. But yeah, they're probably going to quietly brush it under the carpet now. But um, I guess it it did stimulate the economy, and that's a good thing, um, probably. But anyway. We now turn our attention to story of the week. Uh, we got one this week from somebody whose name I've missed out. Well, that's awkward. That's, oh, that's sad. Never mind. I have to look that up in a minute. They know who they are. Well, <laughs> it says, afternoon, gents. Um, I thought I'd share, and in hindsight, an amusing anecdote from last week. Um, I was biking home from work, catching up on your podcast, when someone opened their car door, and I hit it going about 30 kilometres per hour. Ouch. That oh, bloody hell. Bloody hurt. Um, as you can imagine, it didn't end well. Uh, the corner of the door hit me right on the throat and I went flying. As I was lying there on the ground, trying to take stock of how badly injured I was, I realised my earphones were still in and the podcast was still playing. It was at this moment I heard Pete say, death is a thin veil. <laughs> Such good timing. Um, uh, ominous. A crowd had started to gather and an old man was trying to talk to me uh, with difficulty. I took my earphones out. He asked me, what day is it? I thought about it and rasped, Monday. He then turned to the crowd and confidently said, it's okay, he's fine. Thankfully, some actual medical professionals turned up shortly afterwards, and I don't have any long-term serious damage. Question, 
It's got a cheeky question. Uh, if a tourist needs emergency medical attention in Japan, ambulance, hospital stay, etc., does it cost anything? Have a good day, gents. All the best from anonymous sender. I'll have to dig that out in a sec. But um, what do you make of that, <laughs> Pete? The last thing you hear, did you- Pete Donaldson's voice in your ear. Disturbing. Did you did you um, specifically um, uh, preclude uh, uh, remove the um, name so that the ferryman that I am because it sounds like I'm very much a death kind of character, death character. who can help people pass over to the other side? <laughs> um, did you omit the, the the name so that I wouldn't be able to take him to the the dark side, take him to uh, hell, some sort of Greek god? Um, yeah, death that's, is a thin veil. That's that's what a way to go though. Imagine that you're you're like laying there dying on the pavement. The last thing you hear is Pete Dawson going, "Death is a thin veil." I can't do your voice. <laughs> well, it probably on. he probably only knew it was Monday because it was the Sunday show that he was listening to, and he's like, "Yeah, Monday." So we could have possibly um, put him in more danger, quite frankly, giving the the doctors and paramedics um, in, in, incorrect information. <laughs> well, his name's Terence, and the, uh, the the title, uh, the subject of the email he sent in was Pete Donaldson. Angel of Death. I like that. That's a good reason to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Angel of the North of the Death. Absolutely. What do you make of the medical profession? <laughs> the medical professional that turned up on site. What day is it? Monday. Yeah. Brilliant. He's fine. Don't worry about it. He's all right. He's fine. He's fine. Don't, need to, don't need to worry about that uh, spinal fluid coming out of his nose. Don't worry about it. Shocking. It's all good. Shocking. <laughs> um, but as for the question from Terence, um, if you need medical men- uh, medical attention in Japan, does it cost anything? Um, it shouldn't cost anything if you've got, you know, foreign health insurance. Bring travel insurance for Japan mm. and uh, you'll save yourself an awful lot of money. To give you some example, the cost of a cast for a broken leg uh, can be like three grand. And if you need surgery, that can be like 20 grand or something. So, you know, be careful. Um, do come with travel insurance. Do you buy travel insurance, Pete? This would be a great time to plug some sort of sponsorship we don't have. <laughs> yeah, we don't have, no. Don't. Um, I'm, I mean, I don't, I don't want to scare you, uh, Chris, but uh, the podcast um, travel insurance market really has gone through the floor. Oh, bugger. <laughs> but presumably um, you get yeah, it, Yeah, right? I, 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 uh, I use Insure and Go. Insure and Go. I, I mean, I've, I've always been a bit daft when it comes to travel insurance i just get the cheapest one and just wing it i've never had anything bad happen overseas yet have you ever needed to use travel insurance while you've been traveling around on your many travels um do i have any use travel insurance uh, not really no i've never been to, i've never really sort of been to the hospital um i've never really been to the hospital i've never really been to the um uh, I, 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 I wasn't very well um, one time when I went up to, oh God, Kanazawa, I think it was. Right. And I woke up with like really inflamed eyes and I went to just a, just an outpatient sort of center. And it was very confusing. I confused them. They confused me. Uh, and it just got better after I took some antihistamine. So, no, uh, so yeah. <laughs> I, I've been to the hospital once, uh, once when I was a teacher I don't really know what was happening. I remember I had some sort of chest pains and, you know, it felt a bit ominous. I think in hindsight, when I look back on it, I was very stressed out or something. Um, and mm. that can lead to physical manifestation of things happening. Anyway, I said to one of my teachers, I've got chest pains. And they were like, <gasps> and they took me to the hospital and I had this sort of um, tests on my heart. They used some sort of device, which was really creepy. Oh, yeah, they pressed EKG, it to, yeah. Well, yeah, they pressed it to my chest. I can actually see my heart on the screen pumping, which I never want to see mm. again. Um, and I was fine. And uh, the teacher in question was a bit annoyed at me. They were like, oh, nothing serious. You've wasted my time. I was like, well, it could have been serious. Um, 
<laughs> so there you go. But that was my only time. But mm. um, in Japan, you do get health insurance um, if you're a resident here, uh, or if you come on a working holiday, you can get it. And the insurance in Japan covers seventy percent of your medical bills, which is a substantial amount. I don't think it's as favourable as the NHS in the UK, which is very generous um but it's still pretty good um it's pretty good it doesn't cost a great deal so mm. yeah it's a good country for kind of medical stuff i'd say and hospitals and doctors places here very clean generally i say that yeah. i do have a nasty story about a doctor but i'll say that for another episode because we've got an interesting news story uh this week i've been bombarded by uh folks you guys sending in um an article uh that uh might be the death knell of my channel because as we know the Abroad in Japan channel has been built on the foundations of hilarious Japanese English, uh, Kazari Ego, as I call it, Decoration English, um, or Wase Ego, as it's also known in Japan. Um, English has a tendency to go wrong uh, in a lot of ways in, in, in Japan, often put on products and items. Um, I think my shirt in a lot of the Journey Across Japan episodes says, I have, I have, no, it just says, has high functionality, doesn't it? Um, and I still don't know what that means. But um, a, a load of uh, folks from Columbia, students of Columbia University uh, who have come back to Japan uh, have decided to try and correct this wrong, right this wrong uh, in Japan and try and actually help um, tourist agencies and divisions in the Japanese government to get rid of these bad English mistakes. For example, uh, there was in, in Tokyo, sorry, in Kyoto this month, there was a department store, Takashima, Takashima Yaya department store. And they were forced to cover up posters after social media users pointed out how a missing comma had sabotaged its kind of simple and supposedly inspirational message. Uh, it said, rising again, it began, save the world from Kyoto, Japan. Uh, because they missed the comma, it sounds like save the world from Kyoto, Japan, as opposed to save the world from Kyoto, Japan. Little mistakes like that. Um, basically, this group wants to try and uh, help people, help organizations. And they've been ringing up different uh, departments and sort of offering their services, offering their help. And uh, many uh, Japanese local governments have accepted their help with local sort of with positive responses. Um, yeah. It's nice. I don't know if they can actually make a very big difference because there's only seven of them. Um, but nevertheless, it's definitely needed, isn't it? I mean, often you look at these mistakes and you think that could be solved so effortlessly by a native English speaker. Mm. What do you reckon? Is it a good idea? Should it be done? I don't know. I, 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 I think it's really, um, I think it's really charming when you say that kind of broken English, kind of Japan English sort of, uh, nonsense. But, uh, I understand that, you know, things move on and, and that's how things get improved. But I, I will kind of miss that kind of crazy, those crazy t-shirts, those crazy hats you find in the, in the $1 store. Well, I think they're kind of more helping, like, uh, play- Things like in terms of emergencies, if there's an earthquake or a medical emergency, mm, they might help. Of course, yeah. There's no yeah, way yeah. they can solve the whole issue. For example, just today I saw two uh, signboards where English had gone wrong. I saw one for a, some sort of tear shocker uh, lunch restaurant, meal restaurant, and uh, it just says, delicious is exciting. I don't really know if that's incorrect English. It's just a little bit odd, isn't it? Is delicious exciting, Pete? Or is delicious just delicious? Yeah, massively. Yeah. There's an entire kind of food blogging and vlogging uh, ecosystem built around this. Well, then maybe that is <laughs> food correct. Food being exciting. I don't know. Delicious, yeah, delicious food exciting. being exciting. And I also saw um, a, a bowl of ramen, uh, and it's, it's just called Double Happiness Ramen. 
double happiness ramen with rice. Yeah, double happiness. There's probably got one one extra ingredient in there. <laughs> what what would you put in ramen to heighten the happiness to double um, double level? Uh, speed. Speed. <laughs> I'm glad you don't have a ramen restaurant, to be honest. Um, but they gave an example. Uh, a good example of something they'd like to solve was uh, my favourite example of all time, which was the mascot of Fukushima Industries, the, uh, the good old Osaka-based manufacturer of, of uh, cooling systems uh, who created a mascot called Fakapi, the uh, the little flying egg, good old Fukupi. <laughs> Fukupi in Japanese, but it just looks like Fakapi in English. And it came out around the time of the Fukushima nuclear meltdown. That is a good sort of example of uh, where they can help out. What do you reckon? <laughs> but then, uh, that's again, that's sad, isn't it? Fuck up, he was glorious. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 like those, I, I like the thing that... I, it works both ways, though. Like, I remember there was a footballer called Baka um, in, in the World playing in the World Cup, and, and there's been a few backers in, 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 through the annals of soccer history, and um, obviously backer in, in Japanese means idiot, mm. uh, kind of. And um, yeah, the, the, the Japanese commentators didn't really want to call this part guy idiot. Here's idiot with the ball. <laughs> I mean, it's what's interesting. It's even like these big corporations, like uh, Toyota. I think J- Toyota is Japan's biggest company, and. Um, even they screw up. They had a, a tagline for the Olympics, um, and I think the tagline was "Start your impossible." Um, again, it, it's not like fundam- It's not like wrong, wrong, but it is a bit awkward and bizarre, isn't it? Start your impossible. Mm. Start your impossible. What exactly? <laughs> I think I think um, slogans like that in the West are, are, are quite roundly and, 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 and rightly mocked because they just they are just just just. Uh, it's not how anybody speaks, but I think in the, in the East, I, I just always find those sort of things a little bit more, a little bit more charming. It's probably a very sort of like weird um, headspace I'm in, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. And I, I, I've always quite enjoyed that kind of strangeness. But yeah, when 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 kind of big companies use that sort of thing in the West, you're like, start your impossible, um, you know run over here I, i'm trying that. I'm, it's too here. early for me in the morning to to, to think of a to think of a, a big company um slogan but yeah um you know start your impossible impossible is nothing it's just like yeah okay i get it fine <laughs> i want i want start your impossible and, to, and run over impossible. here run over here your one that could be the tagline for the podcast <laughs> um <laughs> i'm gonna start a sporting brand run over here um, but it's nice. Uh, one of the people running this, uh, Tsuruta-san, told The Guardian, uh, we're not trying to look down on people or make fun of them, but with the Olympics probably happening next year, we want to uh, we want official English to be decent and presentable to the rest of the world. And I think that's a noble aim. Um, so to all of yeah. you guys messaging me, worrying that it's the death of abroad Japan, don't worry. Don't think it's the end of decoration English just yet. Um, but hopefully... The places where English is necessary in emergencies and serious situations might be a little bit better. That is a step in the right direction. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
In our daily lives, we all carry around with us different stressors. They can be big, they can be small, and sometimes we might not even realise that we're carrying them around with us. But if these feelings stay bottled up, they can start to affect us negatively, which is why having a positive outlet for discussion can be such a valuable tool for your well-being. Therapy can be a perfect outlet for your inner stressors. It's a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Sometimes just speaking things out into the open can be such a great release of inner tension. So you can spend less time stressing about the issue and more time figuring out how you can overcome it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Japan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Japan. This week on Stakhanov. One Direction's Liam Payne was in the studio talking to Jack Mates Happy Hour about life as a global pop star. With untold stories about his time on The X Factor, life in the world's biggest boy band and going solo, this one is not to miss. I was part of this massive machine and I knew my part in the machine very well. So I knew what I was doing every day. But then when that machine falls away and you're in the world and the world's just happening around, like, where do you fit? You can catch the full episode on Spotify. If that doesn't tickle your fancy, on this week's Football Ramble Presents, Kate and Jim sat down with former Chelsea, Juventus and England striker and football legend Enya Luco to discuss her storied career and her autobiography, They Don't Teach This. Whether it's racism, whether it's bullying, whether it's sexism, often these behaviours are silent. They're not always something that's said. It's a feeling, it's a set of behaviours by a group of people towards you that makes you feel incredibly isolated. You can hear more from Enya Luco with Football Ramble Presents on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. All that and more at Sukarnov. Uh, and with that, we turn our attention to the fax machine. What have we got this week in the fax machine, Mr. Dawson? Um, Ossian. Hello, Ossian. Greetings, Chris and Pete. I was curious to hear your thoughts on living in Hokkaido as opposed to anywhere else in Japan, knowing full well that neither of you have ever lived there. Uh, I find Hokkaido to be one of the most interesting places in Japan, but it tends to get overlooked a lot as a place where you can live and work. Coming from Sweden, I find the island charming as it has the cold climate and astonishing nature that I so love while being undeniably Japanese, not to mention the European and Scandinavian influence you can find outside the desolate areas. After watching the first episode of James May, our man in Japan, I'm uh, I'm even more intrigued to see the island for myself. Even so... Is it a location worth visiting the first time around if I have the budget and time to spare, or is it deserving of a visit on its own? Best regards, Ossian. Good question. I mean, I know you and I mm. are both big fans of Hokkaido and uh, Sapporo. I think I think if you've got a three-week trip to Japan, definitely put it in for like, mm. even if it's just a trip to uh, Sapporo and maybe a little... Yeah, because no one does it, yeah. Yeah, nobody does it. And there's, you know, you've got Naboribetsu, one of Japan's top hot spring towns just south of Sapporo. Those are the two things I would do. And if you're coming for skiing, one of the best places, you know, Sapporo can't be beat for mm. it. Hokkaido can't be beat for it. Um, if it's two weeks, ah, I wouldn't do it. It's a little bit tough to stretch there. Um, there's lots of flights between Tokyo to Sapporo. In fact, the flight route between Tokyo, Haneda and uh, 
Sapporo Chitose Airport, one of the busiest flight routes in the world. It was in the top 10. It used to be number one. But uh, So it's easy to get there, but no, I I wouldn't do it unless you've got longer than two weeks, to be honest. But what what are some of the things you'd you'd do in Hokkaido, Pete? Does it get your thumbs up? <laughs> um, I'm, again, I've only been a couple of times, but obviously I went to the snow festival with you. Uh, I climbed. Uh, what is that mountain called? I'm, sorry, I'm just looking on a on a map of Sapporo. There's a there's a, there's a little mountain, little mountain. Uh, next to it. It's not very big, to be honest. I remember. I well, I remember mountain. when we went together. You were bragging about it the whole time because you kept pointing at the mountain. Like I've climbed that mountain. <laughs> I was like, oh, well done, well done, Pete. Mount Yote. Mount Yote. I think it was Mount Yote. Yeah, it's, it's to be honest, it seems a lot further away than I remember. I thought it was right in the middle of the city. I remember being very, very cold up there. Um, but uh, I'd, I'd really like to go up to um, Wakanai, the um, northernmost, um, you know, bit yeah, of yeah, uh, yeah. bit of Japan. It gets to that'd be really cold. Gets super cold there. I think it gets to like minus twenty degrees Celsius. I think it's one of the Jeez. I think it's the coldest place in Japan generally. Uh, I know that. I think this month. Ryotaro is going up there for something, uh, for his channel, mm. Ryotaro's Japan, the, the best channel on YouTube ever, way better than the Abroad in Japan channel. Um, he's, yeah, he's going up there. I don't know what he's doing. He just, I think he just wants to brag about going to the most northern point in Japan. But have a peek at Russia. Have a peek at Russia and freeze to death, but yeah. uh, I'll have to see how he gets on up there. Uh, we've got one from Kirill. Kirill, um, he says, hello, Chris and Pete. I'm Kirill from the beautiful city of uh, Liv- Liviev. Liv- I can't pronounce that. It's L-V-I-V. How do you pronounce Liv? that, Pete? Liv? 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 Ukraine? Liv? I think it's or just Viv. Viv? <laughs> Liv, really Liv. Know, we'll say Liv. In Liv. Ukraine. Uh, and I'm a big fan of all things related to mythology, be it Greek, Egyptian, Scandinavian, you name it. And once I learned uh, the mother load that is Japanese folklore, I fell in love with this country ever since, from Shimwa, uh, which is myths about the gods, to modern urban legends like uh, Toshi Densetsu. I've been enjoying all of it. And I have to say, I really enjoy abroad in Japan, but I get extra excited for content related to folklore, uh, like the ones where you go to shrines and temples, um, and I was delighted to see both you and Pete visit the Yorkai Street in Kyoto. Uh, this leads me to the story of my first visit to Japan. I stayed in Tokyo for a week, and this trip turned into a bit of a pilgrimage. I knew there were some shrines and temples in the large cities, but I never realised that there are so many of them. I made a morning visit to Sensoji in Asakusa, and then I took a stroll through Kapadori, Kappa Street, a um, couple of these kind of mythical little creatures that uh, live in the mm. ponds. Uh, and we also went to Ueno Park where I found a whole bunch of wonderful shrines and even a disembodied metal face of Buddha, the Ueno Daibutsu. I don't think I've seen that. And throughout my entire trip, I've been randomly discovering various small shrines and temples that felt very similar to discovering new Pokemon in Pokemon Go. In Pokemon Go. Uh, all in all, I had a great time. And I want to ask both of you, Chris and Pete, what are some of the most memorable folklore-related things you've encountered in japan maybe some shrines dedicated to some unexpected things like the ramen shrine in kitakata or something different from uh shrines and temples entirely like festivals traditions etc best regards to you both kirill oh, that's a really good question i don't think we've ever discussed that before um have you ever come across anything in the realms of japanese folklore pete any particular shrines or temples no, I like the um, I, li- I like the little ghost stories from back in the day where um, someone would come and um, like a little monster would come and lick the um, condensation off the ceiling um, when you were having a hot bath. <laughs> Why do you like that? <laughs> I just like the idea of like just a ghost or a god just coming in and just licking your ceiling. Um, Beto Beto San as well, a yokai that um, follows travellers at night 
and the sound Beto Beto is it's wooden sandals and you, that, you can't see, you can only hear it. He and, follows you in the night, isn't that just sound? Yeah, if you're walking down like a deserted street, you can just hear like a clunk, 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 Beto Beto Beto. And if you, um, he's not dangerous or he, she's not dangerous. Um, if you realise you're being followed by Beto Beto San, you basically step to the side of the road and say, after you, Beto Beto San. <laughs> Those are <laughs> and then that, it just fucks off. You saying that is on the Abroad in Japan soundboard on the uh, on the website, and I've, I I'd never know Good. where that's come from. I don't. We've got a, a clip of you going after you, Beto Beto Sam, and I've never worked yeah. out where that's from, and now I know. So I feel. And, his, and he looks like um, there was a video game in the 90s called Whizball uh, that I quite liked. And I think there was a son of Wizkid or something. There was two video games and they were just, I think they were made by Gremlin, who did some really right. uh, creative, weird characters uh, back in the day. Uh, and he kind of looks like that. He's a big green sort of Pac-Man sort of figure. Um, green kind of big, big old pink mouth as well. It's just, that's fantastic. Big round Pac-Man um, who follows you down the street in his cloggy, cloggy heels. Any other country, and that would be that would be considered a little bit sketchy, wouldn't it? Um, yes. But I, off the top of my head, I went. I stayed in this um, the most. They call it the most haunted Ryokan traditional inn in uh, in all of Japan. I stayed there with Ryotaro earlier this year in Aomori, North. Sorry, North Iwate Prefecture, and it's this place where a little boy is said to stalk you in the night and linger around and. Uh, sleep on you like while you're laying down asleep he'll like sit on your chest and uh, it was all a little bit again a little bit sketchy and weird but um, that was kind of cool there was a lot of there was a real atmosphere to that place and I think that video came out in January or February you can check that out um, and there's a lot of little kind of there's lots of artwork of him laying around and in the uh, in the inn there's a room dedicated to him where customers or people staying the night um leave toys for him tit like little plastic toys food snacks they leave it out on this shrine and the idea is that he can play with it and whatnot it's a little bit odd but it's, it's really cool i really like the place um and it was undeniably a little bit creepy at night they turn all the lights down but you're allowed to sort of just walk around the corridors and go looking for him and uh other other guests staying in the hotel were just sort of out wandering around with cameras and whatnot trying to capture photos of him uh, and while we were there while we didn't see anything haunted as such the um uh there was uh a what happened oh yeah something fell off a shelf a little toy bird a little uh statue oh. of a bird just fell off a shelf randomly like creeped riotta and i out um and also there's a child laughing in the video that i don't remember hearing that was a bit creepy um riotta and i go to this shrine out the back of the place and it got burnt down um a few decades ago but everyone was safe and they say that the reason the people were safe was because the spirit of the boy protected them all um and while the place mm. was being renovated and re kind of rebuilt he uh, he went to the shrine which was the only bit of the uh only bit of the inn that was safe um and it was while we were out there Riotta and i wandering around at night around the shrine that we heard the 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 laugh or playing back the video i heard the laugh i didn't hear it while we were there so yeah that was kind of cool that was pretty creepy. Um, mm. And also, I don't really know if it's in the realms of folklore, but it's certainly a really interesting shrine, the Goto Kuji Temple. Goto Kuji Temple, the cat shrine, as it's known. Um, in great, the greater Tokyo area, there's a shrine just with thousands of little cat statues. And that's a pretty cool place. I went there for the cat documentary, Cat Nation. Um, but if you look that up, it's, it's magical. Like Whether or not you like cats, it's... Uh, 
it's certainly impressive turning up and seeing thousands of these little cat statues. Uh, look it up online and you'll be amazed. Have you seen it, Pete? You ever seen the, this place? No, no, I really haven't. You're not a cat really, man, really are you? That's quite like to go. No, I, yeah, it probably wouldn't tick a lot of boxes for me. I'm very much a dog person. <laughs> uh, one from Marister. I'll hand that over to you. All right, then. Um, from Marister, uh, you, Chris, uh, mentioned in one of your live streams that you might do a Camping with Natsuki video one day. Is this still a possibility? You should be safe now that there are robot wolves around. <laughs> yes, imagine if uh, Natsuki met his end um, being chased by a big bear who wanted one of his cigarettes. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'd, yeah, if I went camping in a forest with Natsuki, I would definitely enlist the help of a robot wolf, which are a thing. We're not making mm. that up. If you didn't... Uh, if you missed the episode last week, they've been deployed in uh, regions across Japan that have been uh, attacked by bears recently because bears are scared of robot wolves, apparently. I, You know what? I'm not really a camping person, I'd, unsurprisingly. Mm. Something about camping, I don't know, I just feel a bit too old for it. I'm just a bit too miserable. Um, I think I'd probably like it if, if someone dragged me kicking and screaming to a, kicking and screaming to a, a campsite and I'll, I'll probably enjoy it, and I'll probably like it a lot. But I just, I don't know. I like the conveniences of the modern world, and uh, mm. camping's not really been my thing. What about you? Are you a camping man? Would you go camping with Natsuki? No, I, no. The last time, the last time I went camping, last time I went camping was uh, I, I was in. Uh, I was where was I? No, I might have been in Kenya. I want to say. Wow. Um, doing some charity work and um but before that uh it was probably glastonbury festival uh and it was a really rainy year and i vowed never to <laughs> camp or go to glastonbury again fuck that i <laughs> excuse my language but fuck that i look at miserable video footage and photos of the of like glastonbury and it's always just lots of people drowning in a pile of mud mm. it's never really appealed to me um i've been camping in kenya no. that's pretty impressive how do you wow how was that was that fun? Um, it was. It was. It's very warm during the day, but very, very cold uh, during the night. Mm. Um, but we stayed with this uh, with this family that um, that was kind of hit quite badly with uh, all of our all of our kids, uh, kid ads, um, uh, aids, and and, and oh, um, all. Of, I think our, I think her husband had uh, buggered off to Botswana, I think, to find work. Um, returned with aids, and uh, yeah, just uh, not a great situation for them. But uh, I was working with a, a charity called Practical Action. They, they do some fantastic work out there. You know, concentrating on infrastructure, uh, mm. water projects, um, getting um, you know, managing uh, f- like figuring out like kind of solar arrays and stuff. The, like the amount of sun Africa gets, and the amount of uh, investment in solar power is so small. Yeah, I've never uh, understood so why. Piddly, it, it's it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Well, just because <clears throat> big big business, you know. The, the, the uh, big business needs oil and coal, and that seems to be the way that uh, things are going. But um, hopefully, in the future, with, with charities like uh, Practical Action, they can sort of reach these um, these the, these um, families and and um, uh, villages that are kind of off the grid a little bit and and help them out a little bit. But it's, it's a great; it's well worth checking out. They, they do stuff all around the world, from from uh, Nepal to, uh, to to a lot of African countries, and s- sometimes uh, here in the UK as well. So yeah, good man. practical action, very good uh, charity. Good man, very good man indeed. <clears throat> uh, keep the stories, questions, comments coming in to Abroad Japan Podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back uh, in the next few days to do it all over again on Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. But for now, no matter where you are out in the big wide world, have yourself a great few days, and we will see you on Sunday. Have a good one.
was a Stakhanov production. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.